0: I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my big bag of onions.
1: The to California, broken hearts, so they pass so along.
2: This night we'll share a lover on that
3: doll radio. How the soul ready many-
4: Loveless man He thinks about love in a vacuum And he won't remember that talk you had When you were walking into the bedroom And he'll say I don't know why we met But the simple truth is always the best C'est la vie it's done, it's done And there's somebody for everyone oh, wow. Jimmy has debts and Jimmy has ties And he can't get out from under and if you look far enough Jimmy broke a bolt, How does not get himself out from under? I when you feel like you're lying in a prison cell, and it'll kind of make you wonder. And he'll say it's, it's destiny we met. The simple truth.
5: millennials as a generation which is a group of people who were born approximately uh, 1984 and after um, uh, are tough to manage and they're accused of being entitled and narcissistic and self-interested unfocused lazy but entitled is the big one and uh, and because they confound leadership so much What's happening is leaders are asking the millennials, "What do you want?" And millennials are saying, "We want to work in a place with purpose. Love that. Um, we want to make an impact. You know, whatever that means. Um, uh, we want free food and bean bags." <laughs> uh, and so, somebody articulates some sort of purpose. There's lots of free food and there's bean bags, and yet for some reason, they're still not happy. And that's because. Um, you, the, they're missing. There's, there's, a, there's a missing piece. Um, what I've learned is that there, I can break it down into four pieces. Right? There are four, four things, four characteristics. One is parenting. The other one is uh, technology. The third is impatience, and the fourth is environment. The generation that we call the millennials. Too many of them grew up um, subject to, not my words, failed parenting strategies. You know.
1: You're listening
6: to Bill's Big Bag of Onions.
7: In September 2015, the United Nations launched their 15-year plan to make the world a better place. The 17 Sustainable Development Goals are focused on improvement and longevity, and are a focal point of UN Week in New York City. Additionally, a number of summits provide the opportunity for world leaders to cooperate in achieving these global goals. So what exactly are the world's biggest problems? Well, first and foremost, poverty is an inescapable issue for nearly all developing countries. Roughly one in seven people around the world live on less than $1.25 a day, and nearly half of the global population lives on just $2.50. While about a third of the world's poor are located in India, only 10 countries house 80% of the poorest people on earth. Closely tied to poverty is the issue of hunger. Inadequate nutrition contributes to nearly half of all child deaths worldwide. And in regions like sub-Saharan Africa, one in four people are malnourished. As a result, nearly 800 million people don't have access to enough food to live healthy, active lives. Similarly, water and sanitation are absolute necessities. Yet nearly the same number of people without access to food lack access to water. And a third of the world's population risks disease by not having adequate sanitation.
8: Cheetah, baby I'm gonna change you If I can Oh, I just can't help myself From loving you change you your suitcase Said you were leaving town Won't you change your mind for me baby Don't you know you're bringing me down
0: onion to another. Just like that.
9: India is a bit of an anomaly on the world stage. It's a massive 1.2 billion person strong country stretching thousands of miles tall and thousands of miles wide with one of the most sizable economies in the world. But it was never really destined to be a country—at least not in its current form. Modern India looks like this. To the northeast the country is shielded by the formidable Himalayas. The mountain range is nearly impenetrable even for a modern army. China and India have fought a few small skirmishes over border disputes in the region, but a full-scale land invasion from either across the Himalayas would be difficult. China has control over Tibet, a vast region lacking the infrastructure necessary for quick troop movement, while India remains politically close with Bhutan and Nepal, two nations sandwiched between India and China. Largely because of this enormous mountain range, India historically has not had many relations with China, the other superpower of the region contact between the two countries today remains cold due to their border disputes. Both countries claim this entire area and every few years the dispute escalates, a dangerous situation between two nuclear powers. You can't even drive from India to China due to this—there are no border crossings between them—but for most there's little reason to cross the border as the two countries are vastly different culturally. As mentioned, due to the mountain range they didn't have much contact historically so they each developed into what they are today independently.
8: Now I need
10: Joke floating around on social media. Anytime an aspect of the modern economy feels particularly ironic or unfair or absurd, it's labeled late capitalism. When United Airlines forcibly removed a customer, that was late capitalism. When tons of Americans are forced to crowdfund their healthcare, that's late capitalism. When rich people buy extremely expensive, unnecessary, even tone deaf things, this too is branded late capitalism. But what does late capitalism really mean? Where did it come from? And how did it end up everywhere all of a sudden? Labeling something late capitalism is common on Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Google's search interest in the phrase has more than doubled in the past year. The terms late capitalism or late stage capitalism are often associated with Karl Marx. Marx thought of capitalism as inherently unstable because it demands spurring consumption among a disempowered and underpaid proletariat and because it creates boom and bust cycles. A common misconception is that late capitalism is the decadent phase before the Socialist Revolution, when workers would rise up and seize the means of production. Not quite. Late capitalism isn't even Marx's term. The person who coined it is a German economist named Werner Sombart who used it to describe the European economy around the turn of the century or World War I, a time of intense industrialization.
5: My biggest concern is uh, is the unfettered access to to social media and cell phones. Quite frankly, because there's a biology to these things that are as addictive as alcohol, nicotine, and gambling.
9: Right now, a family is out to dinner at a restaurant, not enjoying each other's company, but each staring into the screen of their choice, completely ignoring the family members. And this is mom, dad and the children all doing the same thing while they continue to eat. They did it the entire meal. Right now, an infant is getting their first iPhone and learning to tap and swipe all while drooling on it. 92% of two-year-olds play video games because that is what parents are putting in front of their precious children to keep them entertained and quiet.
5: This is your life now no natural behavior everybody's wearing clothes they don't want to wear everybody's showing up and doing something they don't want to do they have no connection to that's the problem with our society and then what's the reward for all this stuff go home get a big tv go home you're going to get a shiny belt buckle you're going to get a nice purse you're going to wear shoes that you couldn't afford last week you're going to get that dream car and every week we're chasing down this new object and every week we're trying to fill this hole in this 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 sad shadow of a life that we've been left with after work.
0: Were the best of time.
6: roles and what that means is we have very little time for us and in fact women find it hard to invest time in themselves and effort into their own growth. We put everybody else before us and we're really at the bottom of any priority, I mean way down, any priority list. So part of what I teach women is that it's time, it's their time to bring themselves to the top, to find out who they are, what they want, so that they can make the world for everybody around them a better place. And in fact, to be honest with you, I think women in the 21st century are blessed. We are blessed to have this opportunity to find out who we are. You know, our parents, or at least my parents' generation, lived through the war. It was hand to mouth and rationing, and there was no time. Now we have time, and in fact, I would say it's our responsibility to really explore who we are and what we want and how we're going to grow and how we're going to make our impact on the world. So women of the world, stunning women, stand up, make your difference because you have a responsibility to do it. In my view, controversy, yay.
1: we've been cast out of the
8: From hell to
0: oh, oh, oh. send in our eyes and descended like flies.
3: Ooh, put us back on the train. Yeah.
1: we do Bring me to my knees When I see what they've done to you But I'll die as I stand here today Knowing that deep in my heart They'll fall to ruin one day
8: For making us part
1: To big pack of onions.
11: In order to keep those keys to power, you must second control the treasure. You must make sure your treasure is raised and distributed to you for all your hard work, and to the keys needed to keep your position. This is your true work as a ruler: figuring out how best to raise and distribute resources, so as not to topple the house of cards upon which your throne sits. Now you aspiring benevolent dictator may want to help your citizens, but your control of the treasure is what attracts rivals. So you must keep those keys loyal. But there's only so much treasure in your vaults, so much wealth your kingdom produces. So beware, every bit of treasure spent on citizens is treasure not spent on loyalty. Thus doing the right thing, spending the wealth of the nation on the citizens of the nation, hands a tool of power acquisition to your rivals. Treasure poured into roads and universities and hospitals is treasure a rival can promise to key supporters if only they switch sides. Benevolent dictators can spend their take on the citizens, but the keys must get their rewards. For even if you have gathered the most loyal, angelic supporters, they have the same problem as you, just one level down. Being a key to power is a position of power. They too must watch out for rivals from below or above. Thus, the treasure they get must also be spent to maintain their position.
12: You want to believe in. How can I describe what I'm receiving? It's like the marquee says one night at the stage. You want to live forever, but you don't want to age. I just can't help wondering. It's such a waste of time Lifeboy in the lifeboat, he was a sailor You cannot describe him, all the words were just failure And Justine laced up tight in his shoes You're gonna get it Whatever you choose, I just can't help wondering. It's such a waste of time. That's the blues, man. That's the big time. Down. That's the coming down. As high as a mount, as fast as a furthest. Deep a of fount, dying a And in the marquee says, One night of the state." Wait till I let this soul out of it's cage And I just can't help wondering It's such a waste of time That's the blues man
13: for the word population are the character of a person and the character of an open mouth. Do you know how many people there are in the world today? For most of human history, our population increase has been slow and steady, but in the last 120 years, it has accelerated from 1.5 to more than 7 billion. Around 1 billion people, or 1 in 7, are chronically hungry. It is predicted that by the end of this century, we will welcome person number 11 billion. Experts agree the planet can definitely produce enough food for 11 billion, but they question whether we can do it in ways that are environmentally responsible and whether safe and nutritious foods will be distributed fairly. What we are talking about here is called food security. It's not a term you might have heard before, so let's define it. According to the United Nations, food security exists when all people at all times have physical and economic access to sufficient, safe and nutritious food to meet their dietary needs and food preferences for an active and healthy life. There are four dimensions of food security, availability, access, utilization, and stability.
14: Listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions. In the UK and many other countries, houses are expensive, very expensive. Prices have been rising consistently for many decades. In England, prices rose by 4,255% between 1971 and 2011. If the price of a supermarket chicken had inflated by the same rate, it would cost £51.18p by now. Around 1950, you could get a three-bedroom house in northwest London on the Northern Line between West Finchley and Woodside Park for just £1,050. This was two and a half times the average wage of £400 a year. The head teacher of the local school could very comfortably have bought this kind of house with a total mortgage somewhere around twice their annual salary. Today, a similar house in the same area would cost close to £1 million, 40 times the average income. It's nearly 10 times the salary of the local head teacher. House prices in the UK haven't just increased, they have skyrocketed. But why is housing so expensive? The cost of houses has very little to do with the building materials. The value is almost all in the land on which the house sits. So, why does land cost so much? Well, one reason is that demand for housing keeps growing. The UK population increases by between 300 and 400,000 people a year. And also the number of people in each household is getting smaller. More people live alone or just as couples without children. So the demand for accommodation is growing all the time. In order to keep up with the demand, the UK would need about 240,000 new flats and houses a year. It's building less than half of this.
1: They do conceal Everything they're afraid to show Everything they once gave Now they just steal Oh, the seeds we sow Soldiers of fortune in paradise Had to let on let go Cold as iron, oh, the seeds we sow.
15: When I was born, the median price for a house was $108,900. Now it's $337,200. Even if you account for inflation, that's about a 45% increase in cost. But buying a house is something I would like to do. So I'm trying to figure out if I can. The odds are pretty stacked against me. I'm a millennial and I graduated college in 2010, right in the middle of the recession. When I entered the workforce, the job market was rough. Like many of my peers, I have student loan debt. And on top of that, there aren't very many starter or mid-price homes on the market. My personal financial situation has to do with choices I made. I changed careers at 27, I took out loans to go back to grad school, and I didn't manage to save any money before that. But that's not abnormal for someone my age. According to a LinkedIn study, it's common for millennials to change jobs about three times in the first five years after college. And in the eight years I've been out of college, I've lived in New York City the whole time. Median cost of a home here? $770,000. I certainly can't afford that. When I look at my income, cost of living, and student loan debt, the idea of buying something as expensive as a house seems nearly impossible. My dream home would look something like this. Or this. But even if my boyfriend and I took our combined income of $100,000 a year, that apartment is a pipe dream.
0: I've got some lovely onions here. Sweet onions. Join me again soon for another journey through the pleasures of music, words and sound. I'll be seeing you. Bill's Big Bag of Onions has been produced and directed by Adrian Cohen and is a copy production for Cole Radio.